Not a matter of if, but when crisis will rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. My crisis squad and I try to find solutions. I also ask insiders to weigh in. Today, that insider is Paul McGuire Grimes, film critic, entertainment reporter, and our guy on all things Hollywood. After nearly 118 days, the actor strike in Hollywood is over. Marathon negotiation sessions led to a $1 billion contract. SAG-AFTRA negotiators were able to get some valuable concessions from the studios when it comes to artificial intelligence, a streaming bonus, and some key protections. Paul is here to break it all down in the case file I call Back in Showbiz. Paul, what a relief. Our shows are coming back, but this contract is historic and might even become an example for other industries, maybe even a new way of creating and consuming content. Absolutely. I believe this was the longest strike in actor's history. It was 118 days. And on November 9th at 12.01, SAG-AFTRA decided uh, that the strike was going to be suspended and actors and performers got to get right back to work literally as soon as possible. And for someone that does celebrity interviews and um, hasn't had interviews with actors since because of the strike, I was getting emails about when can you interview this actor, when can you interview that actor. So it was just great to feel the the energy of the actors wanting to get back to work again. Yeah, and I mean, it is exciting for all of us. I happen to be a SAG-AFTRA member and kind of the broadcast area. This strike didn't affect me in any way or my business operations, but it affected thousands, if not millions, not only those people we see on the screen, but all those behind-the-scenes people. This was an entire industry or even multiple industries when it comes to Hollywood and things connected to Hollywood. So let's get right into it. I know you've studied this contract, $1 (laughs) billion. Artificial intelligence was a huge sticking point, a huge area that the actor side was saying, hey, hold on a moment. We don't want some sort of non-human portraying us or our likeness or those kinds of things. So break down the AI in this contract. So that really was the sticking point, I believe, of why the strikes took so long is because the studio heads wanted to be able to use actors' images and basically like take a screen grab of them, essentially, and then be able to use them whenever they wanted at any given point down the road without compensating the actor, without getting the actor's permission. And that could be long after the actor has died. And we've seen that recently, especially in Star Wars, where they're bringing back actors from the dead to put those characters back in their shows, which is not ethical, in my opinion. And you've had actors speak out about that. They don't want their images used after they passed away. So that became a huge signal point to the point where the AI section of this, you know, agreement, and we read the summary agreement, it was number two of like the 18 sections that it was, it was the number two and really the longest one about how actors can then be protected and the provisions around how artificial intelligence will be used for, you know, background players, key actors in in scenes it's a pretty big deal and i want to mention too like this contract is only for three years so just think we could be having these talks again in three years and, and think about how far ai will then come in the next three years you know that is what is kind of mind-blowing to me is like we could be dealing with this all over and how does that affect other industries and you talked about too how 
this affected so many people beyond actors. And that's something we've talked about before, where let's say you're filming in Los Angeles, this TV show, that is then hiring caterers. It is hiring block restaurants. It is hiring so many people in a wider macro scope that it, it affected a lot of businesses. And, and we saw how that affected you know, the auto industry too. That was another industry that was on strike. And it's, it's fascinating to watch the widespread effects of this. Well, what I applaud both sides here, right? It's not just because I'm a SAG-AFTRA member. I'm not going to say, okay, SAG-AFTRA was all good, the other side all bad. No, I mean, the studios had some legitimate ideas and thoughts and parts of their business dealings they had to hammer out with the actor's side. But Mm -hmm. just as we look at these crises and these ripped-from-the-headline stories, I always like to find the nuggets that really play out for all of us. So the whole artificial intelligence, the very fact that that was coming out in headlines on a regular basis during this strike, it should teach other industries where this is relevant. And AI is pretty much everywhere. So hopefully there are some lessons that these negotiators taught all of us and are teaching future negotiations and future negotiators, whether directly or because of what we read about, how to protect ourselves moving forward. Because as anyone in kind of the tech side of AI will tell you, the technology always happens first, the regulation (laughs) lags far behind, but the regulation is what's connected to the people. Right. And just think, I mean, you hear about that type of security overall. I mean, there's news stories about people answering the phone thinking a loved one has been kidnapped or whatever. And it's all just audio that's been grabbed from their social media feeds, like edited together. It's it's mind boggling. And I think what is I mean, we talk about this contract being valued at over a billion dollars, but that really stretches to many areas. We talk about compensation for background performers, uh, protections for diverse communities within the industry, raised pension and health gaps. And one of the angles I thought was really interesting about this, too, we talked about, you know, during the pandemic, that changed how we got our entertainment, especially going into streaming. And now streaming residuals are a part of that, but also how actors get work through auditions. You know, back in the day, actors like myself would go into an audition room, read the sides, and now people are finding that I can do this at home with my ring light, do a self-tape, submit that. I don't need to be based in LA or New York. And now there are new provisions and guidelines around self-tapes as part of this whole agreement too, which is just a small nugget that I found was fascinating because we haven't really talked about that yet. But again, the pandemic changed the entire industry and all sides of the industry as well. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And another area that was really big for the actor side was the whole streaming and how that blew up not only during the pandemic, but since. And some streaming bonuses are part of this contract. Tell us about that. Yeah. So that movies that are in theaters, the traditional way we thought about movies in theaters or television shows is that an actor would go and do that project. And part of their contract sometimes would be a back end on the box office profit. You know, if a, if a movie crossed over $100 million, they'd get a percentage of that. Well, if a movie or TV show is now streaming, they're not getting that kind of back end deal because it's out in the ether and we don't know how much, how many viewers that that movie is making or that television series is getting watched. You know, that's not a part of the contracts, especially nowadays. So part of this new contract was compensation regarding how many streams a movie was getting, how many watches the television show, you know, something like Stranger Things or Wednesday is huge for Netflix. And yet 
the people working on those shows weren't seeing a cut of how profitable that show was for Netflix because they were hiding their numbers. They weren't sharing how much it is. So now writers and actors as part of the writer strike as well have those protections in place where if it is now streamed this many times or seen by this many viewers, we can get a cut of that. It also helps protections with the writers of how many episodes they will then work on or actors in a television series or streaming because that also was being kind of hidden under the rug as well as part of these new contracts. It's much different than a broadcast network show and what you, protections you have working in a broadcast network field. Well, I think what this also outlines is whenever you have two sides that want to get something done, there's money involved. Everything really needs to be in writing. The things that you can imagine and even some of the things that you can't imagine in the moment, to the extent that you can plan for them, plan for changed circumstances, that is very important. And this is a lesson really for anyone as they're negotiating for themselves on behalf of their company, on behalf of their teams. All right, let's talk a little bit about the long-term after effects. You've mentioned, Paul, that in three years, this contract would expire, and sometimes they'll start negotiating well ahead of the three years. Sometimes they'll let it run till the end. We're not going to worry about that now. <laughs> what are some of the long-term effects that this contract not only brings to Hollywood, but maybe to kind of the rest of doing business? Well, I think. I would hope that it helps people fight for themselves so that they are valued and getting paid for what they bring to their job. And that's something I struggle with. I'm going to be honest. I struggle with getting paid for the value that I bring to something. So I hope that, because that's what this is about, right? You know, these studio heads at a macro level, not wanting to compensate their workers or take advantage. So how do we then protect ourselves saying, I'm not going to get into this because I don't feel compensated. I don't feel valued. I'm not getting the health care that I need. I'm not getting the time off that I need, whatever it may be. So I hope it helps people fight for themselves in whatever industry. I also think that this on a larger level helps people understand how we get our entertainment and how we need to uh, talk about that, how we fight for that. What are the stories that we want told so that we are getting what we want and having our stories to, told as well? Speaking of getting our entertainment, what is some of the buzz around Hollywood and what are some of the new things that we can look for for the end of 2023 and for 2024? Okay, so one of the things I think was also driving this uh, strike, even though it wasn't really talked about, was award season. So we are getting into Oscar season right now. We're getting into the heavy campaigning. And what studios wanted was their actors out campaigning for their award buzzworthy movies. So, you know, that would be Disney's Wish, which is coming up. And the actors like Ariana DeVos, Chris Pine, they were right back doing interviews for that. Uh, a new movie by Emerald Fennell, she did Promising Young Woman. Her new movie is called Saltburn. I got to talk to Emerald Fennell, and that was the plan was to talk to her as the writer director. But when the strike ended, by golly, I got an interview with Rosamund Pike right away so that she could talk about it. So we're getting these fall movies. We're getting actors back on the red carpet like Joaquin Phoenix, Ridley Scott for Ridley Scott's new movie Napoleon. So we're seeing them promoting their stuff. And what's kind of fun is I follow a lot of actors and directors on Instagram. So, so to then see them talk about, hey, I, I did this movie back this summer that I couldn't talk about. Here's all these behind the scene photos. Or Ashola Maradueña did this DC movie called Blue Beetle, which was really big for the Latino community. And to see him now being able to talk about it, I think will raise the awareness that it needed. I'm also thinking 
thinking, look, looking forward to our broadcast network shows, the Abbott Elementary's uh, Young Sheldon. So CBS has already announced when to expect their shows to come back. So Young Sheldon and Ghost, which is really popular, will be back February 15th, 2024. And they're really thinking that these will be a 10 to maybe 13 episode kind of truncated season. So there's a lot to look forward to. I don't know when, like, Grey's Anatomy or, you know, the Chicago shows on NBC will be back, but look for those coming up uh, to have kind of a truncated season. Well, I will say, as a fan of the NCIS series and <laughs> my favorite place on Earth, Sydney, I am so excited that NCIS Sydney is launching and that we can look forward to that. Well, right. you know, Paul, we are, it's a day of celebration for the Crisis Files because we, as a show, you as our guy on Hollywood, we have kept up with this and people can listen back to case files number 53 and number 63 where you and i we, we've been it, in it from the beginning right the producers and writers strike the actors strike the continuation the writer the producers and and writers strike ending i mean all of this stuff uh thank you so much for being part of keeping up on this and this isn't just about glitzy glamour this is about content it's about workers rights it's about new age technology like artificial intelligence and how that plays in so we really appreciate your insights always he is paul mcguire grimes we love him and he is our guy on the hollywood beat get more of paul at paul's trips to the movies.com thanks paul thank you Thanks to Paul McGuire Grimes, our guy on the Hollywood Beat. Get more of him at paulstriptothemovies.com. Today's case file was brought to you by Huntington. Please rate and review The Crisis Files on your platform of choice. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on YouTube and Instagram at The Crisis Files. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Catch you next time on The Crisis Files.